to Giganomics, the podcast that's all about the future of work. By 2027, it's estimated that more knowledge-based, skilled labor positions in North America will be occupied by giggers. This means that in any given office, freelancers, fractional contractors, and consultants will outnumber full-time employees. The knowledge-based giggers are the world's fastest growing labor force, and we're here to explore what this means for the world of business, marketing, and technology. Each episode, we'll be talking with business leaders, marketing and tech team leads, freelancers, and consultants in the creative and technology spaces. We'll discuss their perspectives on the benefits, best practices, changes in HR ideology, management philosophies, and of course, the recipes for success. We'll dive deep into the latest trends and insights, as well as the real-world experiences that will help you stay ahead of the curve. So buckle up and get ready to learn from the best in the biz. Thanks for joining us. And now let's dive into the exciting world of Giganomics. Hello, and welcome back to Giganomics, the podcast where we explore all things related to the future of work. I'm your host, Katie Kroll, and in today's episode, we are discussing all the territory that comes along when you're working with a very large volume of freelancers and specialists on an ongoing basis. With me once again, we have Sammy Davis, Chief Revenue Officer at The Well Creative Consultants. The Well is the first human-centered marketplace for marketing, advertising, communications, and technology, providing clients with support, advice, and recommendations on how to tackle jobs with specialists. Also with us is our special guest, because what would an episode of Giganomics be without a special guest? So we're very excited to have Paul Matthews. Paul is the Associate Creative Director for the Commercial Division at Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment, a professional sports and commercial real estate company based out of Toronto. I'm sure that any fellow Canadians listening in could name a, a team or two or a venue or two associated with um, your pretty cool organization. Um, Paul, Sammy and I, we're excited, to, we're excited to have you here for today's conversation. I think you're probably one of the first people we've spoken with that is um, actively hiring, managing, and working with this high a number of freelancers and specialists on a given month, in a given year. Um, so a slightly different angle that we're, that we're going to dive into today. So on that note, Paul, Sammy, thank you for both for, for being here. Um, yeah, let's, let's dive right in. So Paul, let's start by having you just tell us a bit more about the specifics of your department and your team and how it runs, because I think that's going to help set the stage in terms of why and how freelancers and specialists have become such a big and important part of the way you guys are doing work. Yeah, great. Um, so yeah, I'll begin by um, thank you for no questions about Leafs or Raptors free agency. I really appreciate any conversation <laughs> that doesn't begin with uh, over Canada Day weekend. I got way too many questions about that. So I really appreciate you laying <laughs> off. Imagine. I have nothing to do. I have nothing to do with that. Let's just start with that. Um, so essentially what I do, I'm, I'm the associate creative director of 
what is essentially a small commercial agency that exists inside of, of MLSC, Maple Sports, uh, Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment. Um, our individual teams and also our live business have partners. Um, they used to call them sponsors. They're partners. These are large and mid-sized uh, companies that operate locally, nationally, and internationally who um, want to partner with our teams on various uh, marketing ventures. And what we found, especially over COVID, was that there was a huge need because we were a little bit of background, but I'll try to do this fast. Ten years ago, sports marketing was all about signage. You put rink boards up, you put uh, courtside signage up. That was pretty much everything it was. Now it's about building integrated campaigns um, with, with our partners. And so there was a need to actually build an agency inside that understood our fan base, that had data and insights that could help our partners um, speak to those audiences, um, achieve success around strategic briefs, and then build out integrated programs for them. Um, and so essentially I operate a, a small, we're very, very small internally in terms of our, our, our headcount, our kind of like permanent team. Um, but because we're working on between like 60 and 80 partner briefs every year, we essentially scale up and scale down using freelancers all the time. So at the moment, uh, we're in kind of our off season, although Toronto FC and the Toronto Argos are very active and it's concert season uh, in Toronto. We have uh, eight freelancers working with us. By the time we get into the middle of the Leafs and Raptors season, we'll probably have 40, 50, depending on it. We kind of go up and down. So we're essentially a small shop that scales up, scales down, using a, a freelance roster and a, and a freelance pool that we're constantly adding to. We work with the well quite a bit to try to help us do that. Um, but yeah, that, that's us in a nutshell. Yeah, awesome. I love it. Um, a really interesting way to, to do your work and your business and one that obviously a lot more people are diving into. Um, I guess I'd be curious, Paul, to know when did you start to transition into this model where you kind of deviated from everyone in-house, regular full-time employees to the more um, you know specialized freelancer approach? I think around the time that we were born, like in, in a way we were actually born this way. Um, yeah, okay. And that's not to say that like, again, eight or nine years ago, the majority of our creative studio um, and even our strategy department were all permanent headcount. They were all full-time employees. But when we started to build out an agency model, we recognized first of all, that it was a test. And so it was going to be hard to unlock uh, a significant amount of internal headcount in order to bill it. We had to lean on a certain number of people who at the beginning were working off the side of their desks a little bit. And we also recognized that in a lot of cases, we didn't, we didn't need someone for two years to do the same job. We needed people to come in, jump in at various points because every one of our partner briefs is different. Everyone wants to be activating in different ways. And we didn't have the resources at the beginning to be able to to bring in a team of 20 who could try to handle all of that stuff. Um, so almost right away, we were forced to do that. And as we were, it went from being something that seemed onerous to actually something that was a huge unlock for us because we were like, yes, of course, we, we have a very specific problem with Google. Let's find a very specific set of people. We have a very specific problem with Ford. Let's find a very specific group of people. Um, 
we lean in a huge way on some of the other internal resources that we have. Like we have an experiential marketing team that works inside of the company. But when we do something with Google, it also requires us because of that brief is different from what the Leafs or the Raptors would be doing generally. We need to go and find specialists who can do this properly because we were just finding that's where our wins were all coming from. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a ton of sense. So I guess I'm, I'd be curious now working with this large number of freelancers in your heavier season, do you guys have a specific type of criteria or framework that you lean on where this is such a huge part of the way you're doing your work, your work in your business? Um, like how are you winning with, with freelancers and with specialists from the get-go? That's a great question. Um, I think what we tend to do, because th there's essentially two types of, of freelance procurement that we do. So the one is we're recognizing that we're in a really, really tough time and we just need to bring on, we need to bring on like two art directors, a copywriter, a couple of project managers, and we just need to kind of like hold hands and go. And so in that case, what we're actually doing is we're, we're, we're building up a freelance team. And then in the other cases, it's a very, very specific brief that requires a very specific type of person with a very specific set of expertises. Um, and in some case, a style, a way of working that's like very specific to what we think we're going to need. So I'll talk about both of those two things yeah. separately. Um, when we build the team, a lot of the time, this is like when we would come to someone like the well, or when we would go out to a kind of a roster of people that we've been building that have had the opportunity to work together before. And we kind of go, okay, how do we get the chemistry of this right? Um, have they worked with other partners or other uh, folks in our ecosystem who can recommend them? But it's really about just like getting a chemical balance right. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, it's it's searching. Um, I was saying to Sammy the other day, we, we have a, as I mentioned at the beginning, we have like a, a core group of people right. on our team. Like we have a, a head of production. We had a, had a, a head of copy. We have a lead art director. A lot of the times they're not just art directing, writing copy and running productions. They're also just, they've got antenna out into the world mm. and they're just finding us people. Like a lot of it, because we work in, in creative services, a lot of it is look at this amazing thing I found on Instagram. Look at yeah. this ridiculous thing that someone's doing over here on TikTok. I was at a party and I talked to someone about somebody who works over here that we would never have even thought of or run into. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of the times also on that front, we're trying to speak to to new communities. Like a lot of it is actually about like growing our reach. And so sometimes when you want to do that in the creative space, you have to find someone who has existing and authentic connections to the community you're trying to talk to. Like if I'm trying to talk to a bunch of Gen Z kids who are into fashion, I'm not going to go to the same person that I go to, to help me sell a bunch of cars to a bunch of 35 to 50 year old Leaf fans, right? Like that's a different yeah. It's a different thing. So I need to find a different voice. Mm. I need to find a different uh, sensibility. Yeah. I then need to undergird it with some people who I know can just help me get the jobs done. Um, so mm. I don't know if that totally yeah. answers your question, but sometimes it's just about like, let's find a team. Let's make sure we get the chemistry right. Let's build this thing so that it kind of networks and can function. And sometimes it's just like, I need a very particular person and mm -hmm. I need to go and find that particular person and then like literally give them the tools and the wings to fly with us. Um, so it's two that, different, two different things. 100%, depending. That makes total sense. I think a lot of people will, will resonate with 
um, those two different prongs and approaches and needs. Sammy, it looks like you're you're thinking on something here. I'm sure you see hey, a lot of this. Just a really simple observation that, you know, in the kind of years Paul and I've been talking, it's like there's just this sudden realization that just hit me right now of like the way you've organized how you interact with, seek out, attract, work with um, freelancers is actually like mechanically it, it outlines exactly our own kind of approach and the thing I'm constantly talking with, mm-hmm. with creative resource managers and HR leaders with is, you know, you can't brush, you can't use the single freelancer brush. Um, and you, you, Paul, you just kind of really outlined that whole idea that we bring every time is like the person who you can just throw a bank of hours at and go, I'm just going to toss you stuff that's kind of in your wheelhouse and you just got to get it done. Yeah, is yeah. a totally different person than the, I need you to go and make the thing I don't understand in Google work. And here's the mm-hmm. goals you need to achieve. And that's kind of our divide that we're always talking about of like, you know, your fractional contractor that you just open the bank and let's go versus the project person that's going to come in, do their job and get out and, and, uh, not go, please turn me into your own personal unicorn, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we don't want anyone we, we don't like, and that's the thing is we, we're in a lot of cases, we don't, and Sammy, this is also something I think we, we all talked about recently is like, we don't want to turn anyone into an MLSC person. Right. Um, we've got MLSC people who like live and breathe the culture. What we actually want is people who think different on the one side and then people who can just connect into us yeah. and where we leverage the things that make them different, like not necessarily like you know, they're, they're like, they're, they're not drinking all our Kool-Aid, yeah. but they, they come in and they get it and they understand what we're trying to do. Um, I think we used to just kind of absorb people say like, you're here five to 10 years. This is how we do it. And we are having way more success doing the opposite thing, which is, mm-hmm. which is like, you know, taking people as they are really kind of leveraging the thing that makes them different from us. Um, but also that makes them like, able to connect with what we're doing at the same time, which is it, it, a tricky it's, balance. It's interesting from like hearing you speak about that. Cause it, in, when I, when I do these speaking sessions and stuff, I always use the analogy of like, you should be building your team using the sports team method. And here we are talking to you guys that own a bunch of sports teams and you're using the sports team method of like, you've got your core six or seven that you cannot do without. And you do everything you can to make sure they're there. Uh, yeah. and then you surround them with people that are, you know, real good sharpshooters or real good, this or real good that. And, and yeah, lean into the benefits that come with the outside influence and the additional experience and the things that you're too busy to kind of research and figure out and go, ah, oh, I should know that now, but that's not the trend I know. Cause last time I read any of that, had time to read any of that stuff or listen to that podcast was six years ago. So exactly. Yeah. And, and Sammy, like the best example of this, if you're just to come back to your sports analogy is like the Raptors championship. Kawhi Leonard was a freelancer, right? Like, yeah, but Fred and Pascal and like, and Kyle were the core, mm. but like they weren't going to win a championship until they went out and got brought some freelancers in to support and make those guys better. But they were the ones who defined the DNA of the, of the mm. org, right? Like Kawhi didn't define the DNA. Kawhi just like unlocked a whole bunch of, innate potential that lived inside of that we only have a championship because i mean he left right like he, yeah. he was in and he was <laughs> out 
Yeah. And we're fine with that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like yeah, everyone left happy. <laughs> yeah, uh, you brought me to do a thing. I did the thing, and I'm gone. Exactly. <laughs> He's like, Thanks so Job much. Yep. See you later. Yeah. 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 I love Come that. Come back, That's and we'll celebrate in 20 years. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's awesome, man. It's awesome. That's so good. Sam, you're getting a whole bunch to uh, to add to your to your talks here. I know, I know. I should just like subcontract half my talks to Paul. Get yeah. <laughs> Mark, Mark Gasol, Kawhi, like just, just look at look at any successful team and what they do. And I guess not any successful team, but like, you know, you're gearing up to the playoffs. It's around the trade deadline and you go, what pieces do we need? We've got a great core. We think we can go forward with it. Let's make some quick moves. Yeah. Staff, and they're going to be gone in the summertime. Right. But they are going to help us get across yeah. the finish line or maybe they won't. But like that's that's the bet you make. Yeah. You, you touched on something earlier about chemistry, too. Yeah. And this is I, I mean, I think that's where you were going too, Katie. I, I mean, just my own thoughts on that. And given what you just said there, Paul, was like, you know, I, I, I get a lot of challenge on the cultural impact of bringing in so many yeah. people from the outside. And and I always talk about, you know, that chemistry thing you're always looking for in your team gets real hard to balance and make judgment calls on when everyone's an FTE. Right. Um, like mm -hmm. as much as you could bring in the wrong chemistry on that freelancer, you can move it just as quickly. You can recognize it fast and go, Nope, it's yep. gone. Got to get rid of that. That's not going to work. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, it's, it's interesting. Anyway, Katie, I didn't mean yeah. to interrupt you there. Right? No, not at all. Because I, I literally wrote down, as Paul was speaking earlier, about the chemistry part when it comes to team, because you said it a couple times. So I did. I wanted to. That stuck out to me. And I think it might stick out to others, too, because the chemistry in a team, it's not always critical. You know, things can still get done. But I, I personally, mm -hmm. in, you know, the number of different teams and agencies, that I've worked with over the years and continue to work with now, sometimes it's there and sometimes it's not. And like I said, the jobs can still get done, but there's a huge difference when that chemistry is there. So Paul, are you guys doing anything on your end to, to, to look for that in different ways to, to see if that fit exists to help build it? Um, like just talk more a little about the chemistry side of things within your teams. If, if you have anything more to add on that. Yeah, sure. I mean, listen, we have not got this part solved, right? Like, I think this yeah. is, this is the hardest thing and, yeah. and maybe it's something we can, we can keep chatting about. Cause I would love to hear any insights, but what we try to do and, um, and it doesn't always work, but to Sammy's point, you know, you're constantly like, you do, you try, you learn, you try again, you learn, you try again. Mm -hmm. Um, we we're super focused on, on, on chemistry internally, especially amongst the core FTE group. Mm. And what we look for when we are talking about, um, when we are talking to freelancers is two things. One is, do they, and again, not every company is, is like ours. So it's, it's maybe this is um, something that's applicable to people listening and maybe it's not, but we are a very loose um, and casual company. And I don't know how that, it's just kind of like in our DNA. And so we, we are hyper social with one another. We, we spend a great deal of time with one another in the office and outside of the office. Also because our, our weird hours require that in some cases you're at the office until 10 or 11 because you're at a game and you're doing stuff and you're going and seeing your work there and you're talking to partners who are in the building. So a lot about it is just assessing like, do they, on a personal level, yeah. Um, 
you know, is, is there chemistry? And also do, do they get the, there's a, there's a, a sense that you get that someone in talking to them is, is really going to like, we always, when we do interviews and we, we reach, you know, do our talks with freelancers, we, I bring in as much of the team as possible, right? Mm -hmm. In some cases, I'll actually have my team do the initial reach up. You go get coffee. Great. Then I'll go get coffee. Then we'll all meet up and do the other thing. So just like making sure that we can work, but also yeah. they don't necessarily need to fit in. In some cases, it's like, will they push us? Like, mm -hmm. will someone kind of sit there and go, you know what? You guys are kind of comfortably in this, in this fun, soupy area, but like, here's a jolt of electricity that you didn't expect that's going to make us way better. Like you don't need to be a, our team type of person to have chemistry with us, right? Yeah. Like, you know, sometimes you meet someone, they're the exact opposite of you and, and you hit it off. Sometimes it's like, oh, it's like an old shoe, right? So like <laughs> internally we try to be the old shoe, yeah, but yeah. a lot of the times you want the, you know, you want that, the, the person who's coming in to give you the little jolt. I know that's a mixed metaphor as shoes and electricity. You get that. Well, it's it's interesting because it's a it, it is a forgotten dynamic in in a benefit of working with like professional giggers is yeah. you know because uh, we do we concentrate so hard and I get it a lot too is we concentrate so hard as do they fit do they fit with what yeah. I do is usually what's not being said right with what I mm -hmm. do how I do it what the way I like to do it. And I, you forget about that sometimes. Even I do in my day to day. Is like one of the benefits you get out of bringing in like a specialist from the outside is maybe they don't, and they yeah. they can push you into a spot where you're just reluctant to go, or and as long as you can keep yourself open to that, you could reap some all kinds of new benefits that you might not have even thought were there. One hundred percent. I mean, it can go wrong, obviously, but that's oh, yeah. to your point before. Like you can you can remove it. Yeah. But when it goes right, I mean. Um, a great example is a project that it hasn't launched yet, but that we're doing, um, on the soccer side of our business where we brought in, um, a guest creative director on a particular campaign. And it was unclear that it was like, you know, totally a, a fit in terms of mm -hmm. culture, but he pushed us in all kinds of amazing ways. And I think the work is better than anything we could have done. Right. right? Like, and so, and it was in the, in the end, he brought us along as opposed to mm -hmm. us just forcing him to come along. Right. And I think, and again, it works on this particular project. Does it work forever? No, but maybe we'll do something again because we could, we really, it was incredibly beneficial to have that. Um, and that can be everyone from someone quite high level that you bring on to someone who's coming in to, to do something that you think on some level is just, you know, we just need an extra piece to this puzzle, but they can, they can just give you a little bit of a shot in the arm sometimes if they're empowered to do that, which is another mm -hmm. whole thing mm. um, mm. and can make everybody better. And then the team as a core benefits from that because they've taken on a piece of that thing that they got from that project that they're now thinking about yeah. that maybe they wouldn't have been thinking about before. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I yeah, love it. You touched on another, another key word, I think another good one, um, empowerment. So how are you guys, and I think, you know, with the empowerment of your team, both internally and externally when it comes to your freelancers and specialists, how are you empowering them? And, and I guess kind of along with that synonymously is the trust factor. Um, so how, and again, and, and always keeping in mind, like this large volume of people that you're bringing in um, at a given time in a given month. 
you know, how, how are you guys having so much trust in these people, in these processes of working with new people? Um, how does that empowerment and trust look like to you guys? I just think it's super important. And, and, and maybe it's because I'm just, we're all too busy to, <laughs> yeah. I, but I think if you can onboard mm. properly, and I know mm-hmm. we, this is something that we've all talked about yeah. as, as a challenge. And I, but if you can onboard yeah. properly and you can really convey in as clear a way as possible, what the job to be done is, what we're all actually here to do, what the guardrails are, yeah. then, cause I think that's the problem, right? If you just empower without establishing the guardrails about mm-hmm. establishing who we are, what the DNA is like, then you have a nightmare on your hands because you've, you've essentially got a runaway train and yeah. you have no idea how to pull it back. But if you can do that initial onboarding, if you can, you can, you know, ha- you have a bedrock of something, then ultimately then empowerment works because you say, this is the job. This is who we are. You cannot deviate from this, but mm-hmm. do this your way and do it, do it in, in like do, it, do it our way, but do it your way yeah, version yeah. of our way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's, it's and, so true. Yeah. And then you have, then it goes great, but it's, it's really about making sure that they, whoever they happen to be, whatever that job happens to be, that they understand. And sometimes people are just too busy to do the onboarding. Sometimes people are too busy to do that yeah. foundational um, yeah. work. And it's hard because you've, you know, in a lot of cases, you, you just, you don't have the time. <clears throat> you've only got the person for a couple of months and you don't want to spend, you're so worried about like, you know, you look at your work back schedules and you look at what's coming and you look what, you know, and you just freak and you go, take it, go. Mm-hmm. Uh, that doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, I can, I can relate so deeply to this. I feel like I'm in the middle of some of it right now, to be totally honest. Oh, no. Um, but, you know, you brought up, so the onboarding thing is one thing that I'm excited about because in the, in a pre-call we all had uh, a few weeks back, we talked about this and we talked about just, I think the inherent challenges of onboarding that anyone that works in a business, you know, where they're working with specialist freelancers in agencies, whatever, it's all the same, really. Um, but it seems that such similar challenges are just existent across the board. So we thought it would be fun at the, at the end of the episode to do a bit of a little workshop session where Paul, maybe you can give us some of your specifics and maybe between the three of us, we can crack the code on how everyone can succeed. We will, we will become billionaires after this episode because we will crack the code (laughs) how to onboard. But I think something else I wanted to touch on, which is related, but maybe slightly different. I don't know, Paul, let me know. But again, just knowing in your in your peak of when you guys are working with the most specialists at your busy time mm-hmm. in a month span, say, the I think you mentioned once before, like there's some months where you're probably like putting out like 20 different briefs for, you know, 20 different specialists that you're working with at one time. And I know how much goes into building briefs and, you know, the whole onboarding part, but even just the briefs alone, collating all the materials, getting all the right people, how, how, like, how are you guys managing that internally? Like, it's sometimes crazy with just one or two briefs that you need to put together and and pull all the pieces together for, but 20 in one month, I'm just sitting here being like, how are you guys doing that? Like how, yeah. how are you guys managing? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Um, well, 
I mean, par- part of it is how we foundationally operate. So, um, we, we might be different from, from what a lot of listeners might be encountering in their own spaces. So m- maybe we're unique in this way, but when I talk about like what the core team does and what the specialists do mm-hmm. in a lot of cases, the, and it's, it's slightly different, but in a lot of, in a lot of cases, the internal team has done an incredible amount of thinking about what that job is, what the strategic brief is, what the answer to the question is. We keep yeah. it open-ended, but we've developed an, ins- and we have this foundational, um, really amazing strategy group that does a huge amount of this stuff for us so that when we do have a freelancer come in, if they're willing to engage, the documents are built. Like we, we, we basically overthink the hell out of everything, Mm. um, up top so that we've, we've got the organ, like the foundational organizational documents already. Um, but in terms of the, you know, Katie, if it was you, for example, and you're coming in as a specialist to do job X, whatever it happens to be, before bringing you in, we've done a colossal, well, maybe we've just done it fast and it wasn't a, it looks colossal. Let's just say that. Maybe <laughs> specialist, all the T's and I's are, yeah. Thought about it. <clears throat> yeah. I have a bad feeling that some freelancers who might be listening to this are going to send me a whole bunch of like, really? You thought that was good? You thought that was good? <laughs> yeah, right? That's so true. We both ends of the spectrum play out here. So I'm sorry. That's so good. I'll just list at the end of the episode if I can just list off an apology to all the people. Who, um, but but we try to do as much of that work up front as possible. But we can do better. I and and we don't have a big enough team. That's mm. kind of why I want to talk some of this stuff through. But we we do, I think, at least in our heads, know what that mm-hmm. job is, mm-hmm. and and we try to get as many documents into the hands of of the people as we can. Yeah. Um, but it's a great question. It, it's the, to us, it's the question and we got to do it better and we don't quite know how yet. You know what I find interesting in all this and just, just kind of listening and really getting into the, the nitty gritty of everything is, um, I, I, I mean, and again, just relating it to my own world again, is I'm like, I'm constantly talking with companies about, you know, if you're going to start to embark on the freelance world, and, and start to pull them in as a part of your human capital strategy, not just, you know, mm-hmm. it, it, it does require you make changes to the way you manage everything and yeah. what you're outlining here, Paul, without, without giving it a big old title and then being able to just dismiss it as the title is you're outlining that you have a management structure that is conducive to yeah. Onboarding freelancers. Yeah. So, because a lot of folks get stuck in that onboarding side and go, that's the end. If I could just onboard it right, we're good. It's like, no, no, but you need the support mechanisms all the way through. Yeah. And even though, you know, everyone has their challenges with onboarding or the, or the management or both, it seems like you've got a lot of the management foundations in place and you're just like, this is how we work and it works for us. And that's when you start to bring in the whole little difference makers and it'll, slows down that elimination card of like, you don't fit. Well, no, there's, there's foundation here. We work with freelancers. We, you can fit, um, every opportunity is there for you to fit. Um, and then, yeah, of course there's always pieces in that to work on more, but it, it's cool to see that you've got the actual foundations in place without having to go, someone tell me what to do. It's like, here, here's the foundations of how we manage all that. It's really neat to see it in action. Yeah. yeah. But what you said is totally true. Like 
sorry, Kate. I, no, uh, yeah, just went, but so like one of our account leads, his, his partner, um, works in HR and is like a, essentially a professional onboarder for a multinational. And she talks about onboarding FTEs as being a year long process. It's not mm-hmm. like three months of onboarding. It's not six months. It's not two weeks, which yeah. in some cases is what people get. It's a year long process. Right. And that's when you're resourced to be able to do that. Not everyone can do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But hearing her outline that made me think, okay, so yes, Sandy, to your, Sammy, to your point, we're completely different, but we need to put as much thought into how we do it as she and her team would do it on, on their side. Right. It's a, we have to be built. Like we're going to continue to operate this way for yeah. the next five to 10 years. We're not changing. Like we're not, we're not waking up in 2025 and saying, okay, let's find as many of these great freelancers and make them FTEs. And we're actually yeah. just going to build an army. And that's not, we're, we're, we're this way now. Yeah. Um, so we just have to continuously get better at building this stuff out and put enough as much thought into it as humanly possible mm-hmm. so that it does ev- like, I think you're giving us too much credit at the moment, Sammy, but we, I want to get to the point where everything you just said is exactly true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and maybe I am, cause I'm not in there a day to day, but it's, it, it, uh, from, from my perspective, it's not often I run into wow. someone that recognizes that, you know, this balanced, and, and, you know, your, your pendulum swung the other direction. You know, you're talking 40, 50 freelancers to your seven to eight people internally. Um, you know, often you can only get to that and reap those benefits if you've got some management fundamentals in place. Because the thing I'm, I'm constantly coming up against is everyone kind of takes it and goes, oh, that's people. So that's an HR conundrum. But it's it's not. It's a lifeblood of the. It's it's a foundational management system within the company that allows you to be successful in bringing in specialists or completely fail at it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and clearly you've been successful somewhere. So even if I'm giving you too much credit, it's it's, it's there, right? The foundations and fundamentals are there because you're able to continue with it. Hundred percent, exactly. Yeah. No, like, and again, we haven't been on the side of of seeing, you know, these colossal briefs and and documentations that you guys prepare in advance. But, you know, to Sammy's point, like, I don't think we're given too much credit because in the number of agencies and teams that I've worked with and been on both sides of receiving briefs and creating briefs and being a part of that whole process, I can tell you, like what seems to be the level of thinking you guys do in advance, the questions you ask, the answers you get to before even bringing this person on. I don't see that in so many places. It's, it's literally building the plane as you, as you go from everything, Mm -hmm. you know, that I see on a day-to-day basis. Um, Sammy, I see you laughing. I don't know if you can relate and other people feel that way, but that's exactly what happens. I think in so many agencies is that you're, you're like, oh shit, I need this person. We needed them yesterday. Let's just pull together what we can as quickly, as quickly as we can. And, you know, pray that it all works out. And this poor person is just (laughs) left with no foundational, you know, brief of of kind of what those what you were saying earlier what those guardrails are just left to figure it out it's so incredibly inefficient 
it's horrible. You know, we haven't really touched on this much, but maybe this will be a good segue into it. But in terms of building relationships with people who are good and you want them on your side, like you got to put in that work in that relationship. You have to make them want to work with you again. So I don't know, Paul, do you have anything to say on that? And, and, you know, it seems like you guys are doing a lot of these things, right. But how are you guys ensuring that, you know, the relationships are there and that you're able to get these awesome people wanting to come back? Well, I mean, a big part of it is um, I spent a lot of time as a freelancer mm. uh, and, and a lot of our, our team did as well. So mm. um, there, uh, like as a little bit of background, um, I ran a, 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 before I was in MLSC, I ran or co-ran a, a kind of a small um, little micro agency that essentially was functioning the same way. We had two employees and we staffed up and we staffed down. But I also, before that, was a freelance line producer. I was a freelance writer um, and I was a freelance uh, commercial video director. No. So in all three of those cases, no, those are like three very specific mm. um, jobs, very different. I'm not sure why I did them that way. But anyway, <laughs> um, I learned a thing or two about mm -hmm. what happens when you freelance and you don't really know what you're, you're, you're getting thrown into something and you don't have all the information and you don't. And the majority of my team has had similar experiences. So a lot of it Mm -hmm. is actually just about, I mean, it just goes back to like what your, your grandma would tell you, like treat others as you would want them to treat you. Um, yeah. It's helpful, yeah. right? Like yeah. it's, it's, it's not bullshit advice. Mm -hmm. It's existed for hundreds of years because it's helpful. Yeah. Um, but another mm -hmm. thing is, and this is not on me at all. It's actually a real, it's about my, what my team does. Um, my, and I mean, my FTE team mm -hmm. is they go to an incredible amount of trouble Um to help make that freelance group feel like a family, right? Like they're not home family, they're not FTE family, but they mm. are family. Um, so I'm gonna call her out right now. Angela Sue is the head of production, does a lot of this, but I think the, the whole team does. But um, there's just, it's like little gifts, little things to say thank you, invite invites yeah. to come and like get together and do social meetups, right? Like trying yeah. to, you know, you're a freelance who works on something over here and you're a freelancer who works on something over here. Uh, you don't even work together, mm -hmm. but I'd like you to know each other. Like she's mm -hmm. a natural networker. And so we try to essentially wow. recognize that there's a real value to the freelancer. Maybe they're only going to work with us for th three months. Maybe they're only going to work with us for two weeks. Maybe they're going to work with us for six months. If they never work with us again, though, we can still help them build their book, build their network right? Like we can, we can do things to help them. And also we're, we're lucky in the sense that we've got, um, people like being around our building. Yeah. So it, it makes things a little easier. We have a lot of swag. Yeah. So we can say here, yeah. like, would you like a hat? You know, <laughs> even if you're not a fan, you can give it to your niece or nephew for Christmas. Like yeah. that, those little things, again, they don't make a huge difference, but they make a big difference. Oh. Um, we go to Jay's games. We go yeah. play bocce. We've got some like we do... for sure. Yeah. 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 Well, you know what? I, I, I just, I mean, again, Paul, you keep clarifying the points I keep trying to make and it's, it's awesome because you're, you're, I mean, again, I get challenged a lot on the day to day of like the culture idea. Everybody talks about culture with bringing in freelancers and I, it's so exciting and a breath of fresh air to see a lot of what I typically bring to the table, depending on circumstances, but what I typically bring to the table 
as a solution to this. And, and when I talk about having the, the management foundations, I'm not talking about the mechanics of how well the briefs are built. I'm talking right. about the fact that like you did not separate and said, you're this kind of worker. So therefore you only get to get into this much of our culture mm-hmm. and you're this kind of worker and you get the rest of it. Right. And that's where almost every company that I'm dealing with at the very beginning of their kind of step into realizing the benefits of the, the professional gig world, they're always hugging and strangling their culture to death to kind of go, that's mine. And those people that aren't here all the time, don't get it all. And, and you haven't done that, which is again, the fundamentals to building the right management system to support this varied approach to human capital. So it's interesting to see it's just a, just a cool thing to see to actually at work. It's refreshing. I mean, it's not perfect, right? Like they're, but it, it's not perfect on the FTE side, even when people claim it's perfect. Exactly. Right? Yeah. So, yeah. You know, I'll never forget. So there was, um, so, and again, it hasn't always been this way at Maple Leaf Sports. And I will never forget someone who at the time was a freelancer and who is now FTE at the company. When the parade in Toronto happened after the Raptors won the championship, there were a whole, but they were not on my team, but they were there. Um, all the full-time employees were going out to march in the parade. Now it ended up being impossible because the downtown of Toronto got so full that no one could walk anywhere. So all these employees kind of got stuck <laughs> and then had to like break up and, and move through town to try to get to city hall to be at the actual thing. But he was just sitting there. He's a really great guy. He worked his butt off for the company. He's sitting there and he's like, how come I don't get to march? Like, I don't get it. Like I'm willing to, I want to go and I want to march with everybody. My, you know, the person I sit next to, mm-hmm. um, is marching how come i'm not i want to be there and they told him like no you can't and that always wow. stuck with me as like it doesn't make any it doesn't make any sense now i understand there are difficulties in the such there's um hr had their reasons for doing it that way at the time but i think what we're trying to get to a better point with at least on our team like i can't control the whole yeah. company the whole company is what it is i think it does a pretty good job of this now but it, uh, um is recognizing that that it's such a small thing to be able to say, come March, you know, like just come and we're all going to do this thing together. Like it doesn't, it doesn't make Mm -hmm. that much of a difference, Yeah. but it's a huge thing for that person. And so can't necessarily make sure that they're all marching in the parade because that's a big company wide thing, but on the small scale, you can, right? Like inside of your own team, you can, um, yeah, I mean, when we're talking about people, it's the small things and the subtleties that make all the difference. It's not the giant, big, flashy thing that every consultant can tell you about. It's those little mm-hmm. things that change it all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally agree. Totally yeah. agree. Like, obviously, the big things matter, but all of the small things, if you can get a lot of the small stuff right. Yeah. Um, it yeah, it's just, different. it's just a bit, the, the team just works better together. It's a cultural megazord. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all the small things together and yeah, we got it. Yeah. And it, and it, and you were saying before, like, it's, it's the thing that everyone wants to talk about, but it's, it's kind of like, I think people too often separate how they are in their actual lives. Like, how do you want to treat people in your real life? Mm-hmm. Right? Like, yeah. how do you, how do you expect people to treat you? What do you, what do you expect from other people? Like the people in your, your friends, your family, the people who love you, your neighbors, like, what do you expect? And then what do you give? Right? Mm-hmm. Like, as soon as you enter the workforce, people are like, okay, now this is a completely different thing. 
this is a thing that must be organized and spoken about in completely different terms and everyone forgets like just what being a human is yeah yeah and it's like ultimately you just got a bunch of humans so like just treat them like humans yeah as much as you can it just can be so much it, it, it's interesting you point that out, Paul, because it, it is one of the foundations as to how we built our vetting system, because we find that freelancers more than any group are the ones that are like, I'm a, I'm a people like, this is me. This is mm-hmm. like, you're not, there isn't professional Sammy and, and, yeah. and like they merge together um, and you just get who they are. So that's a lot of what we, we get into. And the, mm-hmm. I think that's where a lot of the trust basis comes out of too. Mm-hmm. Totally. Cause in that case, that freelancer, like who they are is their brand. So Sammy, yeah. the freelancer, it's like, you got to take me as I come, right? Like the way I build my website, the way I present my work, the way I do everything is just me, right? Like yeah. I yeah. am brand Paul. So you either like this or you don't like yeah. this. Yeah. Whereas inside of the company, you know, inside of a corporate situation, everyone's kind of like, there's Paul and there's company Paul. Like I mm-hmm. walk in the building and then I, mm-hmm. I code shift. I change myself a little bit. Like, Freelancers, generally speaking, don't do that. Yeah. Um, which yeah. means that if you're a company who actually wants to kind of like leverage what makes that person different to get you a better result, that can be great for you. Yeah. But if you expect them to try to like play a different way, you're going to have trouble because they have no idea. You have to teach them how to be an MLSE person or a well, mm. you know, like you have to teach them to do that. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's- it's just easier to not function that way at all. Yeah. 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 Oh, I love that. I think that was a really good, um, a really good topic that was kind of um, not planned specifically to touch on, but I love that it kind of went that way. So that was, that's good. You know, guys, we're, we're running out of time here, but I, I do want to circle back to the onboarding side of things. Um, maybe we have a few minutes left where we can kind of just, you know, spitball some things, Paul, maybe just tell us like specifically, that's all you can speak to here is what's going on with you guys. And when it comes to your onboarding and, um, Sammy, like you, you see so much, you hear so much, you talk so much to, to other people in similar positions to Paul, like maybe you have some thoughts some insights and let's just see where, where this lands. Sure. Do you want me to go first? Yeah, yeah. Here's the problem that I have, yeah. that, I, that I need help with. And I think our whole team needs help with. Um, I mean, we've got to, A, try to solve our onboarding process as a company with our freelance, our free, full-timers too. But a big one is, given that we bring in so many um, freelancers, what can I do what makes the most sense? Like if I'm bringing in someone for a three month contract, hmm. how much time, so these are the questions, how much time should I devote before they do a single piece of work hmm. to understanding? And like, I have to pay them for that time. So yeah. part of, I'm going to fight my own impulse, which is like, must maximize the productivity <laughs> of said person as immediately as possible. But how much time should I put into onboarding? What's actually in 2023, what's the best way to actually educate them about what we were talking before about our, our guardrails, our boundaries, our yeah. internal culture, who are, what's the best way to do that in a way that actually helps. It isn't just everyone goes away and reads a whole bunch of documents, especially if we're talking about like a network situation, right? Like where you've got maybe five, six, seven freelancers all working on, on the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, what, um, 
how do I how do I use a set amount of time and what amount of time should that be to truly bring a person up to speed on who we are, what we need to do, what the job to be done is, and how we operate? Because I have not figured that out yet. Well, <laughs> Katie's known me known me for a while. I've got some wacky ideas for you, but let's go wacky. <laughs> wacky. Well, not not entirely wacky. I shouldn't dismiss them like that. But uh, one thing that um, I mean, I touched on it earlier when we talked about this a little bit on, on the idea of of um, culture documentation. Everybody loves these culture documents now. In fact, on the FTE side, we're having people turn down jobs unless somebody can give you a culture document of sorts but you guys aren't documents that, like who needs so many documents it's crazy yeah i feel like no one no one reads them and with, on the freelance world nobody like they're the same way you are man there's time and money i'm not gonna sit there and read this thing for 40 hours i'm just gonna do what i do um you might think about doing like a um i mean ultimately onboarding is about setting expectation so you might want to just do a session where it's you and person people together as opposed to one-on-one -on -one, maybe it's like if you're bringing on a group of freelancers do them all at once of like setting expectation but being really clear about it you don't need to be heavy-handed with it but just be like listen here are my expectations this is what you right. all need to achieve and just do it in plain language one-to-one -one. and then i would almost set up a session and you can tell i've been thinking about this for a while i'd almost set up a session of like a, a of a how do we do the work and ask me anything type of session that doesn't involve you, but involves the other freelancers. The other freelancers, yeah. The other freelancers. Get your top trust ones, mm -hmm. your, your top five, as a panel that your new freelancers can do an ask me anything type of how do we get work done here. Um, and they'll reveal the kind of ins and outs of how you work. Yeah, yeah. Here's how it works. Mm -hmm. And it's got to be, it's just like anything. It's just like how you choose your freelancers. Those five people that are on the Ask Me Anything recipient end, they got to be, you know, really trustworthy. You got to be part of your crew. Yeah. Um, it's it's like a friend of mine used to do this thing. Sorry, this is a total where he would like phone up people's exes. He's like, I've just started dating this person. I'm going to reach out to these people and find out. Oh, it's so good. It's so bad shit. It's so crazy. But, <laughs> like, what do I need to know? Yeah, yeah. I, I think <laughs> now, these aren't your exes because the, the, the model's different because these are you're still dating these other people. But yeah. it's, uh, <laughs> you find out some stuff. Well, and, and that's the thing. Like, like and, and I think this is it's so cool to see how you're doing this because it's it, you you understand the realities of what the freelancer is looking for it's not just come and abide by it's like here's what here's where you get your professional work life you know success and 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 you know all of the all of the good things to come with that is why you're doing this and it's the realities reality is a big thing you i mean i'm sure you remember as a freelancer i mean uh, still as a consultant myself as an hr consultant i sit here and go i i don't care about the nice wishy-washy stuff that you're giving me i don't i don't want any of that i want to know the realities which means a mix of good and bad mm -hmm. yeah right and if i don't see some bad then i know you're bullshitting me yeah exactly yeah you know? Yeah, it's like the you know the George Costanza scene where he goes up to the girl on opposite day and he's like, "I'm bald and fat, and I live with my mother." And she's like, "Let's have lunch." Yeah. Like, <laughs> sometimes you just you got to do that. Like, yeah, I'm not gonna come and try to lay on. I'm not gonna give you an angle. Yeah. 
I'm yeah. going to say like, this is it, but there's some good stuff. Like you do the, you do the both, but it's, don't sell me something. And then two weeks of working with you later, you find out, oh, that was all like, <laughs> you know, in the handbook. Yeah. Like, yeah, I love that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, death to the handbook. Katie and I have talked a number of times, and our team talks about it all the time in here. And in fact, Selena has set up a thing that our uh, uh, partners, I don't know if you got an invite to it, Katie. We know how busy you are, so you might not have. But we, we talk about this thing called organized joy. And organized joy is that handbook, right? It's like that that we're going to support everything, and we're so nice about everything, and look how awesome we are. Yay! Right? <laughs> yeah. So Selena started up a thing for us called Organized Joy yeah, that yeah. she just starts inviting random people to, to hang out with our staff and okay. to hang out with our, some of our, our freelancers and just like, Hey, what's happening? What are you doing? Um, yeah, great. So good. You know? Yeah. yeah, I, yeah. Love it. So it's, I think that's some really good ideas, Sammy. Some like, we'll have to, Paula, if you actually decide to, to take some of this to heart and, and follow suit with some of Sammy's thoughts, I would, we would love to know, like, how it plays out how it goes yeah. I'll, I'll try it yeah yeah That's i promise i will try it and report back yeah. awesome yeah it's awesome. Kind of like, so the two I, things I think, approach. I think that's where a lot of people get tripped up is just like the idea of onboarding is now like a single word that's supposed to encapsulate this massive idea and we always get in trouble with that stuff in the marketing world right it's it's like now everyone has a different interpretation and now we look at it as like it can't be that simple and it really yeah. is just about setting expectation right Mm-hmm. And especially you guys are doing so much legwork already in, you know, these colossal documents that you're collating and some of that foundational work, like, you know, maybe it just kind of to the same effect we were talking about earlier, maybe it can just be that simple. Um, you know, maybe it is just that one, just real down to earth conversation with you and then throwing it out there to trusted people and just you know, letting, letting the forces kind of figure it out in a way that's just really real and raw. And maybe that's the answer. I'd love to know how it goes because I know there's a lot, if it, if it works, I know there's a ton of people and other agencies that could, could benefit from it. I actually might take a, take a few pieces and, and bring it to a couple agencies that I'm doing some work with. I think it's interesting. Okay. Let me try it. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to do as an exercise today. I'm going to, I'm going to put together my, my short list of Knights yeah. who are going to yeah. go in and yeah, I love it. Let us know. Follow up. Well, that's that's cool. I, will I love it. This was a fun little exercise. We haven't done anything like this, but maybe we'll need to start incorporating like a little work so- workshop session uh, at the end of episodes. I think that's cool. Well, we have come to time. I think. Um, so, Paul, thank you. That was a really great conversation. I think there was a ton of, of, of juicy stuff in there. Sammy, good, good thoughts and insights as always. Um, just awesome to see so much of what yeah. I love. It's in my advisory world. Just seeing it at play and working is yeah. so cool. Yeah, Paul's great. Well, you guys have been time. amazing to work with too. So thank you for that. Let's keep doing it. Yeah, I'm glad. Yes, for sure. For sure. And, uh, you know, get a, uh, I'll never, I'll never ask you about free agency. So yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know anything. Oh, <laughs> All right, Paul, Sammy, thank you both again so much. And we will um, chat soon. I'm sure. Awesome. Talk to you soon. Have a great day. Bye. 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 Thanks for joining us on today's episode of Giganomics. We hope you found some golden nuggets about the future of work that you can take and apply to your own career, team, or company. 
If you're feeling inspired by anything you heard here today and you want to connect further, drop us a line at giganomics at gotothewell.ca. If you want to take your freelance career to the next level or you're a business looking to get the most out of the gig labor force, we're here to help. Fill out a form at gotothewell.ca slash giganomics, which will be linked in the show notes below. Don't forget to leave a comment on what resonated most with you today and hit subscribe so you can always stay ahead of this ever-changing landscape. Thanks again for tuning in and we'll catch you next time on Giganomics.